the intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops, politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh, that actually is the end of... That's it. Uh, We just talk culture and shit. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. How you doing over there? I'm doing really well. Uh, This is Joshua. It's Hunter over here. And we are Henry and Hops. Uh, And today we're discussing Hop Wars, Sierra Nevada versus Lagunitas. Yeah, it's going to be a bloody day. A juicy day. Let's do this. So, uh, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, a whole lot. I mean, uh, it's been a long break. Uh, we haven't recorded an episode in maybe six months, and a couple of the episodes that we did record didn't come out, I think, which we might backlog and release at some point. Um, yeah, some uh, some basement tapes. Yeah. But the biggest news is that, uh, and we never really got to this podcast, Hunter moved to uh, San Francisco. I did. Yep. I'm over here now, currently. And what are you doing in the there? By the Bay. So I'm uh, slinging food trucks. I work for a company called Off the Grid, and we basically set up mobile food truck markets all across the bay. We got 40, and I drive a big old truck, and I eat lots of great food and meet cool people and have a good time, man. It's it's kind of like paradise out here if you can afford it. Yeah, uh, which is kind of like the, the bummer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well. Hey, should we uh, should we crack a beer? Real yeah, quick? yeah. I'm gonna crack mine. I got a Lagunitas IPA. Excellent, and I have the new, technically not even yet released, uh, Sierra Nevada Hop Hunter IPA in question. These will be the two beers that we get to later on in the discussion. Yeah, and uh, how did you get something that Ooh. was not yet released? I got it in a uh, in a convenience store down in the uh, Hate in like uh, Hate Ashbury, uh, and I told the lady, I said, you know, this you might be the only store in America that is that is currently selling this beer. And she didn't realize. I'm sure they just got it in early and maybe they're, you know, because they often deliver beers before the release date so they can get on the shelf on February 2nd in this case. Um, but I think that they just didn't, you know, they ignored the warnings on the case or maybe Sierra Nevada Ooh. was poor at translating those. Is Basically, he, it got mixed, you know. Go ahead. Sorry. Are we going to have to cut this out of the episode because Sierra Nevada is going to take issue with that? I mean, listen, dude, if Sierra Nevada is listening to our show, then... That's awesome. So I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> they are in the title of the episode, Hope. <laughs> it's possible. That's great. Well, hopefully that, you know, our internet SEO uh, gets us, you know, top of the top of the stack when everyone's Googling about this past controversy. But you know what's funny? I mean, we can get to it later, but I think it's already blown over. Um, yeah. Well, I'm well, just happy to be in enjo- I think yeah, we'll get ahead. to that Sorry. more in the summary section at the end. But yeah, I, I, I would agree. Uh Anyway, so so you've been in San Fran. Uh, I've been in mm-hmm. New York City. Uh, working what are you on, doing there? Well, I'm working on Wolf Suit Still, which is the production company that produces this podcast. And we just did our uh, awesome. first theatrical production in uh, December. Seemed like a really good response. Yeah, it went really, yeah. really well. It was an interactive choose-your-own-destiny experience. And, and we got a version 2.0 coming this fall, winter. We got a couple producers on it and it should be great. Um, and maybe a movie Killing or a it. web series coming this summer. Talk about that later. Awesome. Um, yeah, really so that's cool. really what's going on here. And it snowed, so I'm going uh, snowboarding tomorrow, which is kind of cool. That is great. How much snow you get? 
Well, we got about a foot in what was supposed to be that giant blizzard that was like three to four feet that didn't uh, work out at all in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. It really only amounted to a blizzard in Long Island where they got three to four feet. Oh, uh, right, right. Down in Por- Portland, Maine got a ton, too. My folks are in, are in Maine, but they didn't get too much. They're a little north. Yeah, Storm, um, Storm Juno. And I, yeah. Yeah, I know. Great name. Real quick, though, um, did you happen to... Because Louis C.K. canceled his <sighs> Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Did you read that letter that he wrote? No, I didn't read the letter. I, I was oh just so God. disappointed right. I didn't get to go. Oh, you were going to go? I, well, I, I had plans to go to buy tickets and then go. And then, you know, we ne- things never materialized with the people I was going to go with. Okay, well, anyhow, um, yeah, uh, he wrote a wonderful letter, and at the end, he's like, yeah, you know, I realized that I probably didn't have to cancel it, but, you know, there's more important things, and it's okay. Like, I'll be back soon. There's a whole, like, eul- not eulogy, but a, um, a kind of tribute to the, the clubs of, of America, the clubs in New York, the clubs of L.A., and probably other places like- where he kind of just honed his craft, you know? And because he was, it's kind of like, it's funny doing these, you know, big concert shows, but also... Uh, really, the, the clubs are where he shines. But, you know, Lucy, I love his writing, man. When he just sits down and just, like, goes off, it's great. Yeah, Anyhow, and, and he really um, he really came out of the New York City comedy clubs, like the Comedy Cellar. I mean, he was writing for Chris Rock before that. But when you watch Louis the show, he's still doing bits out of the Comedy Cellar at the beginning and end of every episode. And that's what he does. He just, like, shows up there every couple weeks just to do material, to refresh his stuff. And that's why he's constantly doing new material because he's, he's – uh, it's it's – a constant exactly, yeah. work for him, which is great. He's amazing. Yeah, he really is. Awesome. Let's uh, let's let's talk about any like you know good beers, right? What, well, what are you well, even drinking before, before we jump into that, I just want to talk about one last thing that's going on in our lives, if that's okay, because it's kind of a big thing. Now, you you got engaged last February, but I just got engaged this uh, this August, so now we are both oh, engaged, yeah. which is kind Congrats, of a big deal. Dude, yeah, and we both set dates, I believe, for wedding. Yeah, what's yours? Uh, mine's going to be President's Day weekend, um, 2016. And yours awesome. and is... Columbus Day weekend this year, actually. I just got a, I just got a venue locked down to my deposit and everything. And, I, and I'm planning to come out, and I believe you're coming to mine. Duh. So perhaps we can do episodes on that. We also want to do an episode where uh, we talk about what it's like to plan a wedding. Cause, and if you should plan a wedding in the modern economic environment oh man i mean that's been something that i've like totally been on my mind recently and can we just maybe go for a couple minutes on this real yeah quick? yeah yeah we got because some time let's do it it's it's crazy just because i've i've been kind of balls deep so to speak in the wedding planning kind of thing just pricing shit out because i this is not you know anything that i'm familiar with but to a certain extent i love planning like parties and so i was like yeah man <laughs> it'll be like a fun party yeah but then you realize like you can you can plan a sick party. So let's say like we got 150 people. You can plan a sick party for 150 people. I don't know, a couple thousand dollars probably. Yeah, less. Yeah, but you don't you, know? have, you don't have to feed them. That's I mean that's the big that's the big difference is the food and the drink. But um, you know like I was talking to a lot of people and apparently the average wedding. Oh, I looked this up. The average cost of a, like the people spend on a wedding in America is over. I think it's like over twenty grand, and that's stupid. Yes, that's so stupid. It's usually the you know cost I mean? of like a, a house, or at least the down payment on a house. It's yeah, it's not really a house too too many places anymore. No, but not twenty thousand. But I'm saying like some if you that's if that's the average, the like upper middle class yeah. weddings and uh, upper class weddings. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. No, it's it's so fucked. I mean, think about it. That's what you make annually on a minimum wage salary, basically. Yes. So. 
I mean, on a on a San Francisco minimum wage salary, which is ten bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, so think about that. Anyhow, um, it's crazy. So I'm trying to do it on the cheap. Or I mean, while still like kind of being a good a good thing. And so I'm getting food trucks. That's gonna be really fun. Gonna try to brew as much beer as I can. Uh, That's a really good idea, cost. actually, to uh, save costs. That especially for yeah. our podcast listeners, if you're having a wedding, brew your own beer. Uh, because if you can mm. save cost on alcohol, that's one of the most expensive things. I mean, the other option is open bar, but that always seems like kind of a dick move at certain points. You mean not open? You mean I mean cash yeah, bar. cash bar. Sorry, not open. The exact opposite yeah, exactly. of an open bar, closed bar. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, what I'm gonna I'm kind of compromising. I'm gonna do an an open bar for like for the probably for pretty much the duration of the of the reception, but do no liquor, no anything, just beer and wine. That's a good idea. You know what? Yeah. Well, I, being, it's also I'm hard. Gonna, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I'm also going to bring a um, maybe a nice bottle of bourbon just for the inner circle, but <laughs> that'll be that'll be hidden hidden away. Yeah. Well, man, maybe people will bring you things. It's your wedding, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think I took my headphones off. I mean, I took my headphones. Leave my headphones on, but I took the things off because they were really hurting my ears. So I'll let you know if you're loud in my mic. That's fine. Um, anyhow. Yeah, so weddings are crazy, but it'll be fun, and I'm pretty stoked. It's only fucking nine months away, not even, eight and a half months. Does Sarah yeah. have a dress? Because that's like the next thing. Oh, yeah, she's got a dress. She can use her mom's dress, too. Oh, that's she's great. Like, that saves a lot of money right there. Yeah, and it's just, like, nice. Um, it's just really nice, I think, to, like, I mean, obviously it's cool that it's saving money, but I think sentimentally, like, it's obviously a lot more important if you have a dress that means something to you than some shit you bought at a dress store. Right? Definitely. That you're yeah. like, J- Jade really wants to use her grandma's dress, but it might not be in a usable condition at this point because of how it was stored. Oh, you know? yeah. That's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty crazy, though, that it's even a con- like a possibility. Your grandma's dress, that's old. Yeah. Um, anyhow, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm stoked. Um, and hopefully I can get a little better at home brewing uh, by the time that that rolls around just because... I really, you know, want to be good. But that's going to be a lot of beer. How, how many know? people do you think you're going to have? Because that's the other biggest consideration at the beginning of a wedding. We'll get more into this in the wedding episode where I'm sure we'll cover things like DJs, outfits, bachelor party, all that stuff. But right now, biggest concern, <laughs> how many people are you going to have? Because my biggest, my biggest problem in planning this wedding is trying to figure out how many people there are and then who we cut out as a result. <laughs> mm. So basically, like, we went into this whole thing with the kind of impression that it was going to be a big ass situation because sarah has a lot of family yeah and that's cool i mean you know what hopefully you only get married once so we're looking at 150 (laughs) wow that's that is pretty big that's like that's like right on the border of big i guess you're right i mean what are you looking at like 100 yeah i think we're like 75 to 100 Um, that's great i mean we probably want to do like 85, but it's hard to get it like right at that because of, you know, if you invite one second cousin yep. or great uncle, it's like, who do you cut out at that point? I don't know. Shout well, outs no, to family. Gonna... Well, you'll get an yeah, invitation or not. Yeah, we love you either way. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is just what's so funny is I, um, there are a lot of people that you kind of invite because you invited someone else. And then, I mean, they're going to find out, and they're going to be hurt, so, you're, I mean... And people no, have significant invited- others, which is, like, a whole other thing. Like, if you have, a, a like, a best friend, and then they've had, like, a, a girlfriend, let's say, for two years, like, that girlfriend may not have been a big part of your life, but... Dude, or for, like, two months, or two weeks, bro. Yeah, but even, you but then, I say if it's under a year, you can say, okay, you don't necessarily get a plus one. 
I'd say that's what? The, you, you can no. say that to somebody. I think I think that's you crazy. can say that. I don't. I think it might be gauche, but I'd I think kinda, that you can I'd be say. I'd kind of it. annoyed if you said that to me at your wedding. If I was, but I would never like, say that to you because I mean, Sarah's obviously a huge part. No, okay, I understand what you mean, but I think that uh, your situ- you need to think outside of your situation. If if you let's say we had a, you had a friend who you knew was dating somebody who wasn't right for them, right? And and would be a mess at your wedding, and wouldn't get along with other people at their table, and you didn't want to be offensive, basically. Yeah, and you didn't want to be offensive, and you didn't want to pay a lot for their. Well, let's just say you're paying a lot for everyone. Let's say you're getting like a a a more uh, high high price wedding for per person. You know what I mean? And you don't want to pay for this extra person who you don't like, and you know is going to bring down your day or affect your day. I do think it's appropriate to say if that person. If they've been together less than six months, especially. I said maybe a year was a little grandiose, but I always think, you know, relationships need time to mature, whether friendships or um, or more intimate relationships. You, you have to take time to learn who a person is and how they interact with people, and I always think people don't take time to get to really know people. Oh, I, I completely agree. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely I've, right. I think I've learned that from from certain situations in college as well as, you know, in the real world where I've met people who I thought were really great on on first impression and then, you know, a year, two years in, you find out, oh, there's there's a darker side that was hidden away. Yeah, shout out to all those those shit M&Ms that you open up and you realize they're just poop inside. It's not chocolate. Yeah, it's not chocolate at all. (laughs) I've never had a shit M&M, but that's... Oh, no. Okay, Hunter is having technical difficulties. We're going to come back in a second. This song, song, song. Prussian Stream brings you the beer that will make your taste buds say yowza and burn the teeth right off your gums. Hop to death. With over 1 million IBUs, Hop to death is by far the most bitter beer on the market. It's disgusting. It's unnecessary. It's hop to death. Morning. One in five hop to death drinkers have shown signs of schizophrenia and malnutrition. May also induce mouth bleeding and oral cancer. Please drink responsibly. Uh, all, right. all right, cool. Sorry about that. I, I maybe my I think maybe my uh, my clicker was over the red button, and then I just clicked by accident. I don't know. So just for recap, we uh, we had to uh, take a break there for a technical difficulty. We're coming back in here. Um, oh, we should throw a commercial in there. Yeah, well, definitely. Let's throw in a little commercial break, and uh, and then we'll come back on uh, us talking about new beers that we've had over the past six months. Now, gosh, this was a really hard yeah. category for me. Because um, I can't remember half of the beers I had over the last six months. Oh, I can't remember any of them, probably. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I have a journal. Um, I was looking through them, and there's a lot to cover. Um, oh, shit, dude. You got a beer journal? I just use Untapped, basically. Oh, that's good, too. But I see, I only record half of my beers, number one. And then, number two, the recordings that I have, like, I I feel like they're, they're statistically important, but it... In terms of my experience of the beers, I can't remember if I really enjoyed that or if that meal was particularly good and the beer was good with that meal. Sometimes. Yeah. Anyway. I got you. Unless I'm discussing it on something like this or writing a blog about it, it often fades away. Well, the one thing I will say is that I've been drinking a lot of high res recently because it's back. And uh, I definitely drank too much breakfast out over the last six months because I was obviously obsessed with that. Though I'm kind of moved on from it. And I, I've also... Founders, you mean? Yeah. 
And uh, I also sorry, it's a little, a little hard to hear. No, you, it's brother. okay. And I also drank some uh, really good sours um, over the last six months, uh, which was kind of a kick that I've What's been sours? on. You know, I have a whole list. Uh, I'll probably go through them in a future episode where we highlight more sours. It seems like it would be a uh, a task to go through them and just explain the differences between each one right now. But let's just say sours mm-hmm. are good. The more experimental and expensive, probably the better. However. Uh, they are too expensive, prohibitively so, and there need to be more American craft examples of wild ales and sours so that they be- can become less prohibitively expensive. That's what I have to say on that. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily uh, simply the yeah, cost of production, which is what you're already implying. You're just saying that usually they're imported, and import beers, generally higher quality ones, carry a premium because of relative scarcity as well as just simply economics of importing beer. Definitely. Um, but... But that being said, there's a lot of regional examples of American breweries doing wild ales or, you know, spontaneously fermented beers, which I think are kind of almost one and the same, but not quite. People call a beer a wild ale, even if it's not like open air fermented, you know, in the old school weird, I guess, lambic kind of um, tradition, right? Because lambics, are, aren't they kind of fundamentally, I might be wrong on this, but aren't they fundamentally just spontaneously fermented beers, although now they have a, a connotation of being fruit fruit beers because generally the unflavored lambic is kind of a weird, kind of weird, you know, dry, kind of sour, almost almost intense, you know, wine taste kind of to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't know. I, I actually don't know. Uh, I, I put that question to anyone online who's willing to answer, and we'll probably look it up and try to come with up with an answer on our blog the next week, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if lambics are traditionally wild ales because I've only had fruit examples uh, of, of I the mean, pretty style. much, but you, you, you can find... Well, here's what's funny, is you can find the uh, goes, right? Yeah. Which is a blend... Which is just lambics blended, essentially. Yeah. But you have... You can find you can find goeses that are uh, unflavored. And so, really, that's just a blend of unflavored lambics. So, maybe that's kind of... The predominant form. That's interesting. I yeah, really, I haven't thought about that. But lambics are school. also prohibitively expensive. Usually, it's an, I, and I don't think it is. I think it's what you're saying. I think it's that they're mostly imports. And the ones that I have had that are uh, American or or local have been seasonal or or special editions. They're very rarely mass produced. Oh yeah, I mean, or they're just local. Like there's a there's a brewery around. I mean, in San Francisco, it's called um, Almanac. Almanac Brewing, and like one of their big things is they don't do necessarily lambics per se, but they do a lot of uh, locally sourced kind of wild, interesting ales or like Belgian ales, and they're doing like a lot of sours using using the produce from local farms. Their whole thing is like farm to table beer, farm to bottle beer, or whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah, farm to glass. That's fantastic. Um, and. And it's pretty cool. I mean, they do some pretty crazy shit. Like, not in a not too weird because it usually works out. But they're not afraid to you know get weird with like raspberry currant saison. I made that up, but you know that wouldn't be out of their wheelhouse per se. That's actually a beer that Fagley's makes. Interestingly enough, what's that? That's actually a beer that Fagley's makes. Interestingly enough, is a raspberry lambic really? saison. Really, raspberry currant? Yeah, yeah, it's a raspberry saison. Oh. I think it's called uh, R- awesome. Monkey Wrench or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've made that for a while. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, But what other beers have you had over the last six months, really quickly? So, 
kind of yeah, kind of what I wanted to focus on, really for my for my whole thing was I've been trying to drink a ton of these kind of beers that I never would get on the on the East Coast, and there's a ton of breweries that are popping up. Like uh, I work in this neighborhood called the Dog Patch in San Francisco. And there's this great, there's a couple breweries now that are based down there, and one of them is called Triple Voodoo, and they're awesome. I went there last Friday, a week ago today, um, and got a flight of just four amazing beers. I mean, they're making really good hoppy stuff. They do like a really good, just kind of classic West Coast IPA. They do a really sweet um, kind of you know, florals, mango-y kind of shit, double IPA, which it was kind of more more my style, and they do Belgian stuff. I mean, kind of their first beer that hit the hit the market before I moved to the East Coast was their triple, which is kind of confusing because they were called Triple Voodoo, and then all they made was this triple. So it was kind of like branding confusion. <laughs> and they kind of, I think they kind of, I think they kind of worked that out a little bit, but to a certain extent, it was, uh, it was, but now it's cool. They have a ton of beers that I didn't even realize they make. So that's a huge one. But, but really, the the crowning jewel, I think, besides being able to drink Russian River pretty much whenever I want, you know, drinking the Pliny the Elder just all day long, um, for four dollars a pint during happy hour. I mean, can't beat that, man. That's great. Mm. Yeah, and and so the yeah. flight you had was mostly pale ales or IPAs. No, no, no. The, no, it was it was IPAs, it was Belgians, it was I it was great. Okay, I don't great. Even remember, to be honest no, that's fine. I was just I was just wondering um, if you did remember. Uh, and and uh, as a follow up to the Russian River comment, uh, I remember on a previous podcast we talked about the Pliny was a little overrated in terms of its ranking on the IPA scales. Now that you're back on the West Coast and drinking it more often, and you were East Coast for a while, do you feel still that it's uh, it's overrated, or do you think it's it's earned its title at this point? So if its title is the best, like, IPA, I mean, maybe except for Hetty Topper, right, according to Beer Advocate or whatever. Yeah. Like, no, it's, I mean, first of all, who the fuck, no one can say what the best IPA is. It's a personal preference, you know. We can all agree maybe on, like, top 20. Yeah. But beyond that, it's it's not even going to, it's not ever going to be solved. So it's the whole point is kind of moot, in my opinion. Of course. But I really, I really do feel that... Um, I really do feel that, I mean, it's a really, really good IPA. It's probably, in my humble opinion, it's, a little, it's better than Racer 5, which I think is a great standard of a quality IPA. I mean, I don't think there's really a better standard. And I met these guys that they worked for um, this other new brewery up in Petaluma, which is where Lagunitas is uh, based, actually right across the street from Lagunitas. <laughs> and they're called uh, uh, 101 North Brewery. And... He's like, he's like, man, and they make this great IPA called Heroin IPA, and they're like, not like the drug, but like the uh, feminine um, savior, or, or, or whatever hero. you call it. Hero, yeah, no, um, that's correct. Yeah, hero, there you go. Um, and uh, basically, they're like, yeah, man, we're all, we're all old Bear Republic guys who do Racer 5. Like, we're not trying to recreate Racer 5 because we couldn't, you know? It's like, but we wanted to do our own spin on it. And I'm like, that is the perfect mentality and I'm humbled to meet someone that has made Razor 5. That beer is incredible and it's like I think it's the most solid kind of like 7% IPA out there. And, and then you're looking at Pliny, right? And Pliny's more at um 8%. Right. So it's technically I think that that's probably I would say high 7s are where you draw the line between an IPA and a double IPA, which is kind of crazy because probably 5 years ago that number would have been more like 6 6%. Yeah. 
definitely. Mm-mm, but mm-mm, interestingly, mm-mm. it's starting to get lower because uh, things because ses- yeah. sessions are coming out. So now it's it's getting a little lower again because of like all day IPA and things like that, which are like at four percent. You know, there are there are examples that are so low that that things like um, Razor Five seem on the on the high end even at this point. Oh, absolutely. But I think that what's interesting about the adding development, that's a good point, is just that um, there is a distinction. There are just distinct categories. It's not necessarily that IPAs are going towards low ABV. It's that people might be gravitating more towards uh, session beers, which as I get older, and I'm not, you know, I'm not that old, but as I get older, like, man, I can't really get, I can't really drink as much as I used to, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, it's very good. But, um, Everyone, you shouldn't be drinking. If you're drinking, binge drinking in college, don't do that anymore. Just stop. It's not good. Yeah, it's really, it's hard. And and that's the thing is I get hungover way easier and it's just not worth it really. So I do love the taste of beer though and it's kind of this internal dilemma. So I think that session for me, flavorful session beers, specifically hoppier ones that are, you know, citrus and fruity and nice are really up my alley because... I can have them, you know, talking to you on an afternoon here. Well, I think and not, I think not feel. Sh- uh, go ahead. Not sorry. Not feel shitty. No, right? that's all. That's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this is a perfect transition. First of all, into our topic, our next topic, which is our hops ruining beer. But before we get to that, I think we should review the beers we're drinking, which are both IPAs, uh, which mm-hmm. fall into the category of you know some of the arguably best examples of IPAs in the country, right? I mean. Well, I mean, it's funny because Hop Hunter literally hasn't been out, you know, at all. Well, that so. that one specifically, but I, Sierra Nevada in general reps some of the best IPAs uh, in in the. Uh... Yeah, pe- people are kind of split. I feel like in the craft beer community, people are split on Torpedo, which is their. You know, yeah, and I and even IPA I think offering. that's a little a little piney for me at this point. Yeah, and I kind of agree. I mean, I'm definitely gravitating towards more mango-y, juicy flavors. This this um, Lagunitas, however, I would give a, a four four houses to. I'm I'm pretty into it right now. It seems very drinkable. It's it's not too pale, although it does feel like there's not a lot of heart in it. Uh, it doesn't feel like something that is is a piece of art. It feels more generic than that. It's yeah, it's funny because like I like I really do like Lagunitas a lot, but that's never really been my favorite beer from them at all, and I'm a big IPA guy. Yeah, I like I'm, the Maximus more, even though that that one's a little maybe too hoppy, but I still that's like just it. so malty though. Oh, it's wow. weird. Yeah. yeah, I mean my favorite ones are a little some something and the variations thereof, but yeah, definitely. I mean I like Hop Stupid more than I like uh, Maximus personally, but yeah, I don't know. No, that's true. Um, that's true too. Not, I mean, Lagunitas, I mean, we, you know, they kind of did pioneer to a certain extent. And, and obviously that's going to, that's kind of the, the crux of the lawsuit, the, the IPA in, in popular American beer drinking. I mean, well, let's, let's, let's jump to that in a second, because I think that's another topic. That's the next thing. Yeah. So our, first of all, we're going to discuss uh, a Slate article that came out in the last couple months that's been kind of making the rounds on Facebook and the internet in general. Uh, which is all about our hops ruining beer. Um, yeah. So the answer is no. Yeah, I think the answer right. is clearly no from the perspective of two hopheads. Uh, I would love to hear some internet perspective that there are people who disagree. But my opinion is that all craft beer is good beer, and that hops are promoting the market as much as anything. Uh, so it's it's better that this is better than Anheuser Busch, 
still. So if it's even if there are hops, there are other things out there. Um, well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think really it's just addressing the popularity of IPAs right now. I mean, obviously, not all beer styles are heavily hopped. Hops are in a little part of pretty much every style of beer. Whether even if you're talking like a, a super super light, sessionable pale or something like that, you use hops in lagers. So I mean, it's kind of a moot. Hops themselves aren't the issue. I mean, it's just people are really gravitating towards more hops. Towards um, and hop, yeah, more 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 is better. But that being said, like maybe I'm just too in it. But like I feel like the conversation has already gotten past the bitter bombs, is what I call them. Just like beers that are trying to get those. The, I- the thousand IP- IBU, IBUs. McKellar's and that kind of stuff, yeah. the novelty IPAs. Exactly. I mean, well, and, and McKellar's doing that simply because they're like, just shut the fuck up about hot, uh, like stupid IP. I mean, they're just doing it as a fuck you to the, to the everyone else, yeah. which is kind of tongue in cheek. But, but yeah, exactly. Like we've already, I think the trend is away from that. It's to single hops. It's to trying to extract as much variation and flavor out of individual hop strains. And that's what this article I think does a good job of talking about is about how Hops are the main way that craft breweries can explore the craft. It's the biggest variation. And being a very novice homebrew myself, it's like, and I, I love hops, but I mean, I try to get creative with my grains, my fermentables, but at the end of the day, there's not a ton. When you look at the variation in grains versus the variation in the hops, it's not even comparable. Even in yeast strains, and certainly the article ends kind of talking about how let's focus on yeast and, 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 and local grains yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm also I'm all about that. I'm all about that. But that doesn't and like that's great. I mean, honestly, like my dream is to open up a brewery in NorCal where I can source my grains from the fucking farm down the street and feed my spent grains back to those cows. Like it's that's what Lagunita is doing at least with their uh, their they're sending the cows they they're sending their grain spent grain back to the cows and serving the burgers at the at the restaurant. It's great. Yeah. Um, I I, I but, will. S- but what else? Oh, gonna, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're, you go ahead. Uh, I, I will say that the article does, while it does a good job of uh, citing uh, certain flaws that I that uh, hops can have, such as covering uh, the the worst qualities of a poorly made beer. Um, I think that's a good. But that's not a weakness in my opinion. I'm like, all right, it tastes better. Then. But I, I do think it also points out the main mm-hmm. reason that hops have become so predominant in the market in the craft beer market is because it differentiates them so. Uh, so uh, vigorously from the various pilsners or pilsner style piss beers that are made by the larger conglomerates, the Anheuser-Busch, the Miller Lights, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I think, again, only to the uninformed consumer. Yeah, no, like, I agree. The way I look at it. But I, I found parts of the article like, kind of kind of uh, almost offensive in the way that it commented on hops. Like he referred to he, – he cites breweries like the brewery and the commons – uh, as being innovative in ways without hops, but doesn't cite like Dogfish's Head's innovations. Uh, just says that they made that um, the Sir Hops a lot, which he refers to as a foosball cum engineering machine for hops, which I thought was a little. Yeah, I don't really get. I, I didn't get that. <laughs> combative. Um, yeah, I, I feel as if like there are better examples like Elysian and Left Hand and 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 these other these other breweries that are experimenting with things like stout, founders who are expanding with stouts and uh, wild ales and double strongs and box and and all different kind of things as much as they are with hops. It's just that people are buying hops more, and we should encourage the craft beer market to to grow regardless of how it's growing. 
Absolutely, and, and that's the thing. It's just part of a bigger picture that people don't realize. Like, I think for me, and I'm again, I'm I'm maybe an informed consumer, but I'm not necessarily I'm not part of the craft beer community. I guess really, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I do drink a lot of good beer, but that's about it. Um, I I don't think it's an issue. It's a non-issue. I mean, there are so many. There are. That's what's so great about beer. You can make. You can go in any direction and be experimental, and it, it'll be relatively new, at least for America. I mean, that's what that's what's kind of great about not having a brewing history. We're not tied. But to we did any... have a brewing history. We just we they were it was burned away in a way <laughs> by law. Yeah, but 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 okay. But I mean, like we don't we've only invented one style. You know what I mean? And there's a trademark on steam beer. So there, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's it. We can we we take. I mean, that's we take from all different styles and we can like bastardize them together and that's kind of i mean i'm all about that and i think that that's what's so nice is that you can get really crazy with barrel aged stuff you can do really weird yeast stuff you can get obsessive about any ingredient and any step of the brewing process that's what's so cool i mean for instance here you go hop hunter ipa is revolutionizing quote-unquote fresh hopped beers because they are brewing they're brewing it with hopped oil that has literally been distilled minutes after picking the hop cones and that has never happened before uh hop oil has been exclusively used or or, or, sorry manufactured from dried cones and basically pressed out of them but these guys figured out a way based on this one mint farmer um up in oregon or washington I, i always forget um who was basically vaporizing his mint leaves right after he was picking them to get the freshest mint oil. And they were like, wait, can we do that? Can we develop <laughs> one of these for hops? He's like, yeah, I don't see why not. It's the same fucking thing. It's just right. oil. Sorry, it was my bad again. Had some technical difficulties. You're talking about vaporizing um, hops. Hops, hop cones, yeah. So they, they're doing it in the field. They vaporize them. Um, it condenses. The hop oil condenses in a cooling chamber just like you're making, like it's literally like making, you know, bourbon or liquor or moonshine or whatever um and uh condenses and then you basically have super super potent hop fresh hop oil and so the trend towards you know like fresh hops you know like the uh, that, that born yesterday from lagunitas which is probably the best beer they ever made in my opinion which um, i've never had and i got a case of it literally the day after it was bottled it was awesome well, I think we should definitely move into the Lagunitas Sierra Nevada thing now. But I also, I just really quickly, uh, I bought this hop soda, which I found the other day oh. at that place, Detut, that we went to uh, on our quick tour of Upper East Side spots in a previous podcast. Uh, they've now Wait, added dra- the, the- they've now added drafts. I will add, we didn't we didn't get a beer there last time because they didn't have drafts, and they've now added drafts in a full bar. Um, Oh, that's great. But they also have this hop soda, which I've never seen before, which comes from, um, sorry, I just lost the place, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, and I'm going to try it right now. It's just hop sugar. Uh, so we'll see if hops is also going to take over the soda market uh, as well as the beer market. What, what are the ingredients? It's just hops and sugar and water. And, and it tastes a lot like uh, Sierra, uh, Sierra Mist, interestingly enough. Really? <laughs> yeah, but it weirder because it's, I don't know, there's something a little like, off about it. It's a little too flowery for me. <laughs> I'm not flowery? a fan of the hop soda trend. Let's say that. Moving on. Can we take a little, can we take a little commercial break, dude? 
Yeah, let's take a little commercial break. When we get back, we're going to move into our main topic, which is the Lagunitas Sierra Nevada copyright debate and uh, other issues involving the Lagunitas Brewery over the last six months. See you in a minute. You've tried everything. Food trucks for lunch, in-office massages, unlimited odd wallet juices, all of the beer, and even donation-based blowjobs. But no matter what, you don't get those productivity levels up. In fact, the programmers even seem lazier. Introducing Bearspace. We take the stress of motivation out of your hands and into our paws. Black bears, brown bears, polar bears, sun bears, and occasionally, if you've been really good, panda bears. We guarantee a jump in beta release time so huge that it'll take your lunch away. Then again, that also could very well have been the bears. They love lunch, programmers, and eating in tech in general. So, give your team a reason to get working today. Visit bearspace.com and start on your own path to large wild animal-induced workplace efficiency increases now. For amusement purposes only, Bearspace.com will not be held liable in any case of bear-on-man incidents. Nor will Bearspace.com make any claim as to the domestication or lack thereof of the animals, thereby relinquishing any responsibility regarding any quote-unquote wild behavior, including but not limited to mauling, munching, intense licking, humping to death, peer pressuring, smoking indoors, eating you, etc. Thank you for choosing Bearspace, and we look forward to motivating the shit out of your employees. Literally. Trademark. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, I hope that was a good commercial. I don't know what it was for, but yeah. I'm sure our sponsors are wonderful people. Yeah, they're Maybe. great. We love their products. Yeah. And we love I'm using them right now show. as we speak. Whatever they may be. Right. I hope, I hope it's something really awkward. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, let's talk about some Lagunitas uh, Sierra Nevada tip. We're drinking their beers. All right, two of the biggest craft beers in the market, especially for IPAs, are fighting over copyright. Not anymore. What do you mean? Wait, what? They're not fighting anymore. It's done. Yeah, the no, case is dropped. done. Of course. No, that's not what I meant. I Sorry. What? Was, sorry, I was trying to set the scene. I apologize. Uh, sorry. Okay. I should have said about a month ago. <laughs> Will that be better? Two of yeah. the biggest craft beer companies in america especially for ipas were fighting over the copyright of an image that lagunitas claims to own uh of the letters ipa that they put on their india pale ale bottle but really just like bold font ipas in general i think well specifically it's actually the kerning which is a term used in topography to represent the overlapping of individual um, letters, essentially. K-E-R-I-N-G, kerning. Um, it's also known as morticizing, but no one really calls it that. Um, <laughs> so basically, IPA is, pardon me, Lagunitas is specifically claiming, or was specifically claiming, that their copyright addressed the kerning between the P and the A, they're overlapping if you look at it closely. 
And the, when you look I at don't, the I do not believe they're overlapping on mine. Is this supposed to be on a different wait, bottle? Wait, wait, hold on. Can't hear you. Go ahead. Now, yeah? Sorry, is this supposed to be on a different bottle than the India Pale Ale bottle? Because I do not believe they're overlapping on this one. Well, no, they're not, like, literally overlapping, but the P is hanging over the A, right? I suppose. I don't really see it on this one, but maybe it's a different bottle they were talking about. I don't know. No. I have to recheck no, no. the lawsuit. Logging in is IPA, right? Yeah, no, I, I, we'll put the picture online. Let, let us know. Do you see an overlap from the P to the A? Is this even a thing? Yeah, it is It is overlapping. Like, look, the P, I'm looking at the label right now. The P is hanging over the A. All right, let me let me do a quick internet check. Uh, and we'll we'll get back to you in one second. Well, anyhow, it's just, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I, I don't see it, it but, but fair enough. Okay, so it's relevant, but... And it's black and it's bold. And basically, they're also, they also claim that they were the first people to use IPA without, basically as an initial for India Pale Ale and to do it without periods um, back when they released it, uh, you know, back in, I guess, the late 90s, I think, right? 98 or something? Yeah. Um, anyhow, so, and it's kind of like, you know, worn a little bit. But, but hasn't Sierra basic- Nevada been making uh, India Pale Ales and referring to them as IPAs for just as long or around the same period? Not quite as long. I mean, Sierra Nevada, really, their their bread and butter is still the pale ale, but Torpedo is making up an increasingly large um, portion of their sales. Maybe more, actually. I don't know. No, I, bet, I bet pale ale is still the biggest. That, As as even cited in that article we discussed earlier, the Slate article, uh, yeah. that that's the beer yeah. that got a lot of people into the craft beer market. It's, it's one of the signature beers of the market besides, like, Sam Adams and um, what's the other one? Uh, New Belgium, those kind of things. Yeah, uh, I, I'm saying they yeah. they define the market more than anything else. Yeah, right. So Torpedo Extra IPA. So yeah, I'm looking at the label and it's they also use IPA, but I think that was released in like the early 2000s. I'm pretty sure. So anyhow, um, <clears throat> long story short, basically he dropped the suit because there was such a huge backlash on social media that they were like, oh, fuck, like, I really messed up here. Um, and I'm sorry. And actually, he just tweeted back on the night, a week after it happened. So it happened, this all went down on the 13th, and today is the 30th. Um, and so the 19th, I think, right? 19th, yeah, it was the 19th, so not exactly a week, but close enough. He was like, this was the worst week ever. Like, he was so... Or he was so embarrassed, man. So yeah. this is this has kind of been like a, um, a kind of an eye-opening thing, I think, for the whole the whole brewing community because there was such a huge backlash. Everybody thinks so. I'm, I'm on his Twitter page right now. In the last tweet, January nineteenth, one week later, this has been the biggest embarrassment ever. Hard to take it in, but I gotta. It's the middle of the night, four a.m. Pretty dark. <laughs> Well, well I, I, yeah, and I don't think it's just this issue that, that he's highlighting there. I think there's there's a lot of things that have come to light about Lagunilla's behavior and specifically his behavior in terms of uh, – and it's not really that, that I think Lagunitas is acting in an inappropriate way. For example, one of the things that's being cited a lot on the internet is this $25,000 donation he made to Rahm Emanuel. And this is only an issue because he, he protested so much or, or said so much against Goose Island's um, uh, – want for grants and tax breaks from the government uh and as a result uh it's now looking like he's a hypocrite 
uh, more than anything. I don't think it's that it's that Lagunitas has done anything wrong in these cases. It's just that you know Lagunitas, while a smaller member of the craft beer community than Sierra Nevada, uh, is still an underdog like Sierra Nevada. They're both underdogs, and for them to take on another underdog rather than the the Anheuser Busch, uh, you know, the the Miller Lite seems like a fight that they shouldn't be making. It's a fight within brothers, you know, and especially in the same region. Yeah. Yeah, well, that being said, though, I think that Lagunitas, though, they didn't um, take any money that they were offered to... No, that's uh, exactly right. That they, they did not take any grants or tax breaks. They, they stayed true to that, 100%. And the thing is that the only reason they paid this, uh, this fee to Emmanuel, or it wasn't a fee, I should say. It's a, it's a donation to his campaign. But it, the reason that they made a donation in the first place was because uh, Rahm did help to expedite the process of them creating a factory in Chicago. However, there was nothing illegal about that. It's just that they got some favor over other, I imagine, buyers uh, in that case. Mm-hmm. Which is totally illegal. The, the main problem with this is actually the laws changed in terms of political donations. So you used to not be able to make political donations that were that great in Chicago and in the country in general. So we really shouldn't be talking about Lagunitas at fault in that case. It should be just like the political system is screwed over at this point. We've talked about that mm. before. Yeah. I and know, and, so and funny. big political donations are always kind of inherently creepy. That being said, if I had a lot of money, I would definitely be making large political donations as well. So, whatever. I would make as many as it was necessary to eliminate the idea of political donations from the popular political discourse. Yeah. Well, if, if you get to that <laughs> point and you can keep your morals, you know, it's absolute power. Well, yeah, you got to buy out the system and do it in a way that no one else uh, can ever again. That's kind of the whole Lawrence Lessig Mayday Pack situation, which is so nice. Didn't really have a ton of success recently, but um, I think they're going to do great things in 2016. Um, check them out. I think we already talked about this, but yeah. Yeah, let's get back Mayday. to that. I got I got some other things to say about this issue. Okay, so so yeah, just just shoot. to like get back to this uh, copyright uh, debate. Um, I just I have an issue personally with them taking anyone to uh, court about copyright of the term IPA or or a logo of IPA because I, I feel like copyright has become so strict that it's in it's prohibitive in the way that it's been uh, dealt out in this country. Now it's certainly helped the artistic community in certain ways. Um, the the copyright law has helped things like Gershwin and Berlin's estate gain a lot of money over the years and the continuation of music uh, where, I mean, even with piracy issues on the internet, copyright has preserved some of the sanctity of the idea that that uh, music uh, should be, or and, and art should be valued at some commodity so that people are making money off of these things. However, mm-hmm. I also think that it's protecting things like what it, what it's being really extended for, which is the Mickey Mouse Protection Act, which is this idea that uh, the copyright keeps being extended every year because Disney needs to keep Mickey Mouse under copyright uh, so that nothing ever falls out of copyright, which feels uh, it feels like we're robbing the culture of the ability to experiment with what happened in the past. Um, I, I always think about Shakespeare writing Romeo and Juliet. Uh, when he wrote that, you know, that's based on a, an Italian play that he read that came from 150 years earlier. And if he had not been able to make that switch over to, to, to take those characters and add the nurse and, and kind of elaborate more on their uh, inner psychology, uh, we wouldn't have one of the greatest works of theater, you know, in, in the English language. 
and all yeah. those plays are I, just adaptations of other works like it's it's hard to right. say that 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 things should especially in the artistic community and i feel like label making in craft beer is an art uh if craft beer is an art that that we should respect each other's art and and lagunitas should should want more sierra nevadas not not less even if they are a competitor Oh, absolutely. And I think that he's totally come around to that. And he um, is super humbled by the entire response of the craft beer community. I don't know, people on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Whoever else. 100%. It's, and I, it it's kind of takes it back to square one where it's like, fuck, you know, it's the whole collaboration, not litigation story, right? It's the Russian River Avery story where... They brewed a beer the same name. Instead of suing each other, they just fucking blended the two and released that together <laughs> and made money that way. Yeah, that Great. is the best story. That's, that's, and that's really what it should be. I feel like Lagunitas and Sierra Nevada after this should come together and make some sort of like beer where they, they, there's a handshake on the front and they've, they've dealt with all their differences. I don't know what it would be called. but Yeah, and it's like it basically reconciliation it's, uh, or something. The funny thing is, though, Lagunitas doesn't do collaborations. Yeah, of period. course. Yeah. So, but they're um, a good they're a good brewery. I, I will say that if if uh, Sierra Nevada had made it just a little more different, um, they could have claimed the parody law, which is something I'm also very interested in. Uh, Nathan Fielder was able to pull this off with Starbucks in his latest season as Nathan for you with uh, that dumb Starbucks thing, where he he yeah. just added the title "dumb" to everything and said they were an art gallery that that happened to sell <laughs> coffee. <laughs> You know, they weren't a coffee shop. They, they, there are ways to get things done. And basically, if you change something 20% by t- because of this uh, case that was around, um, I don't want to get too much into it, but Gone with the Wind, there was a parody called Wind Done Gone. There was the same story, <laughs> but they just changed certain lines and, and made it into a parody. And, and through a court case, were able to justify that that, was, that 20% that they had changed was enough to justify a different creative product. And and, mm-hmm. and I, I and I feel like Sierra Nevada, even if they had taken this to court, could have justified not just the label but the product inside as being so different that the label somehow is is a representation of the product. Uh, well, they weren't even close. That's I mean the bottom line is it like it's all irrelevant. They, Sierra Nevada didn't didn't acquiesce because they're like no, you're being dumb. Stop it. Yeah. You know, like at the end at the end of the day, it was just like obviously wasn't going anywhere. I think, and everybody knew it. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe that's hindsight. Yeah. But um, it's, it's so different. It's a, such a different beer. So I mean, I'm kind of over the whole thing. I'm just like, yeah, they're different beers. Everybody says that they know the difference. It's not even a question. Obviously, Sierra Nevada is not trying to copy Lagunitas. That's ridiculous. Yeah, totally. So, and and when we're talking about these beers, like all of them, you know. Lagunitas is the fifth biggest craft brewery in the country behind Sam Adams, Sierra Nevada, New Belgian, and Shiner, which all control way more of the market than they do. And and that that craft beer market only makes up 15% of the entire market. So it's like it's like a one percent of the entire market Lagunitas owns, and they're Sad, fighting against yeah. another one percent. So it just seems silly in the scope of, you know, InBev. Um, and and what's going on with their buy-ups of all of the small craft breweries like Goose Island, which was actually, I think, a good critique that he brought up, because I well, do feel like... And, like, and like uh, you know, uh, what's you call it? Elysian. Yeah, and and I feel like Anheuser-Busch, you know, they take this position, you know, the guy from AB InBev Marketing, uh, uh, Paul Scheib, said that, 
that they just act as the rich uncle for companies like Goose Island and just kind of provide them funding, but don't really mess with their day-to-day operations. And that may be true in some sense, but I also feel like they're kind of like the the conservative rich uncle who won't really allow them to change their process very much. So they, they're just like, make the same stuff you're making and don't change anything. We bought you because your lineup of the IPA and the honker and the fucking whatever. Matilda and whatever. This. Yeah, we love those. Well, the Matilda's, the Matilda's good. I mean, they're, no, they're they, specialty. They have some good stuff. I'm just saying that they're never going to make anything new at this point. Really. I don't know. You, you mean, think they're still right, going to experiment a lot? It's hard. I, I think that they will, but maybe to a lesser extent that they used to. I, I don't know. I, I'm not qualified, really. But, I mean, maybe. I think they might. I mean, I think they might a little bit still. I mean, uh, I the, 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 um, the buyout of uh, Elysian... It's Elysian we're talking about, right? What are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the buyout of Elysian is much more interesting to me because they have so many different styles of beers. I, I think they're even more varied than Goose Island, at least on the national market, that it'll be interesting to see how... Anheuser-Busch adapts to owning uh, such a such an interesting component of the craft beer market. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, but look at, did you read that, you know, half of their sales are their IPA, their mortal IPA, so it's really not as interesting as you might think. Mm. Yeah, they just happen to do a lot of anniversaries and things like that, you're right. Yeah, well, uh, their collaborations are better than their in-house beers as far as I'm concerned. I think they have great minds there, but I've never been a huge fan of their beers. Like, they're good, but I've kind of always considered them in, like, a lesser category than some of the best stuff. Yeah, I no, I agree. I think they're, like, they're like they might be in my top 20 craft brewers, but they probably don't craft, uh, crack the top 10. And especially now, they're going to... I mean, that's the thing. It's just because they're owned by Anheuser-Busch in my mind, they somehow lose some of their authenticity. I know that's weird, but it's like saying, like, you know, it's a small... We want to support small mom-and-pop stores still. We want to we wanna support growth in our economy, not, not stagnation. Exactly. And so, increasingly, you're seeing these large corporations that are buying up these regional powerhouse brands that are independently owned i think the best example that i can think of and it's a great example in my opinion is starbucks starbucks buying uh la boulange yes. you know about this yes of course mm-hmm. and and that's everywhere la Bou- and la boulange yeah, was la not a national phenomenon in the same way it was no. much a, a coastal it, thing it was a, no it was a bay area specifically thing yeah yeah like when i went like when i used to live here back in I think they got bought in 2012 when I lived here. But so right before that, it was just, they had like eight locations. And they were, you know, probably overpriced, but really good, like French kind of pastries and all baked, you know, by them. Maybe not at every location, but at most locations. And just really, really good shit. And I mean, it makes sense that Starbucks would buy them just because it adds legitimacy that they didn't prior have, priorly have, formerly have. Um, and it allows them to co-brand in a way that makes them seem, yeah, again, just way more fancy, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that I, I think that's the same reason that uh, that Anheuser Busch bought Elysian. It makes them more legitimate in some ways, and it also, you know, the market is shifting for sure. Lagunitas is the largest growing entity in the market. Uh, and I think that's why they're gaining attention in the story is not because they're they're a powerhouse in the market, but because they are the the uh, star like child of the craft beer movement at the moment, and uh, so people are down on them. 
You know, they, they don't, yeah. they, they want them to fall. It's like Sam Adams was kind of 10 years ago. Now everyone's like, Sam Adams becomes such a big deal that nobody really cares anymore. They're just ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I had something I was going to say, but I totally fucking forgot. Um, all right. Well, should well, we, in, we, in, we're almost conclu- out of time in conclusion, here, right? we should just say that, like, well, in conclusion, I just want to say that I don't, I feel like this is a small fight in a much larger issue and that Lagunitas was, you know, you're wrong for doing this, but they've admitted wrong and they've they've done everything they can do. So we should just move on and focus on the real issue, which is like, are our, our, our craft beer rights being kind of bought up by larger companies? Will we even have distribution on a larger level for craft beers in the future? And I think that yeah, that could be the next exactly. real issue. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. All Let's right. move on. Yeah, well, I think, I think the last things to do are uh, a little segment we like to call Henry and Hip Hop. Uh, intro song? Yeah. Yeah, well, can you cue that on your end with the editing tip? Yeah, yeah, well, just assume it just happened. We'll just continue talking. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's why intro I just said that. Intro song. Um, you should have just sang intro song. Intro song. Ah. All right. So, 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 hit me. Hit a lot me. of things what, going what on got? in hip-hop. I mean, obviously, there's so much to cover over the sex. There's so much to cover over the past six months that there's no way we're going to cover it all right now. But let's just talk about things that have happened in the last few weeks, uh, even. Um for me, like uh, you, you uh, texted me like a week ago saying Joey Badass's album just dropped out of nowhere, um, which was well, a huge shock. Well, maybe it was out of somewhere, but I'm not really uh, attuned anywhere. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it seemed to me out of nowhere too because I'd been on holiday vacation before that, and then before that, I was working on the the show that we discussed earlier. So it seemed it was a shock, and then I found out right after I had looked that up that uh, Lupe Fiasco also dropped an album. Um, mm-hmm. And both of which I think are great, just very different. One, uh, Joey Badass's album, I feel like, is a, uh, a callback to early 90s, kind of like Wu-Tang days. I mean, very purposely so. There's a lot of like references to that, but it also feels like he's doing a little bit of like ODB at times and things like that. And New York. I mean, it's a, it's a, I think it's a love letter to New York hip-hop, and maybe he's not old enough to really make that call because he was born in 1995, I think. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, we need that. We don't have enough of that. I know. It's you know, it's cool. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Doesn't matter. But yeah. um you're right. But my point is just that like but what I like about it is that every song is kind of a different style, like a subgenre of that culture of that not that I'm qualified again, but it's a subgenre <laughs> of that like uh, New York hip hop. Yeah, of that it's time like period kind of, almost. It feels like he's taken us through the history. Um, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, and I, like I do feel it. like the lyrics back it up. That's the biggest thing for me with him is that I feel like the lyrics are on par with some of the stuff that you heard back then. The only problem I have is that I feel like the beats aren't innovative particularly. They're just uh reminiscent of those things and I feel like I wish they mm-hmm. were they were a little they had advanced that. Like taken that idea and done it in a new way maybe. I don't know. Yeah. No, you're abs- I mean, that's that's a good point. Um, it's like close, but not quite. Yeah, not quite yeah. there. Now, Lupe's album, I have uh, a lot of praise and, and some issues with. Uh, I this is when I first heard it, I thought it was incredible. But really, as I've listened to it more and more, I realized there were just four really, really good songs on it, uh, and four really good transitions, and then a bunch of mediocre filler. Um, so it it feels like if you could just put. The songs Mural, uh, Prisoner 1 and 2, Choppers, and uh, the last one with Absol, which is something like Resurrect New, uh, We Resurrect New, and then all the transitions, which are uh, Spring, Summer, f- 
fall, winter. I actually think it's not in that order. It's um, whatever. Whatever it is. Uh, if, if you had just taken those segments, the album would have been 40 minutes long of amazingness. And I feel like there's like another <laughs> 20 minutes of okay. They're, they're not bad songs. In fact, some of them are really good on, on any other album. But it's just those four songs are, are like as good as... Now, people may hate me for saying this, but I feel like one of the best hip-hop uh, rap albums, not hip-hop albums, but rap albums of the last 10 years was uh, Kanye West's Dark Twisted Fantasy. And this kind of reminds me of like a newer version of that in that the lyrical content is so strong and the flows are so different and, and the production is, is so well thought out and complex that there's enough going on that you can listen to it like 10 times over and still get new things out of it every time. Is, or like um, Kendrick Lamar's album. Yeah, like Kendrick Lamar's album, but I would even say that... Wait, like, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Sorry, I lost you there. No, it's okay. I would even say that Kendrick Lamar's album is maybe the most brilliant lyrical album uh, of the last decade or two, but... And, but that's, it, oh, wow, that's But crazy. there's some production values on the album that don't live up to other albums in our generation, like Kanye's albums. Well, it's it's not like there were well, like I mean, swimming pools is a great and, and Mad City are both amazing as is like uh, the one Pharrell uh, Good Kid, but I also feel like there were other songs. I mean I'm I'm not a huge fan of Poetic Justice for example. I feel like that song's a little lacking on production, but Poetic so, Justice. Some people really like that. Yeah, yeah. My phone is like being weird and cutting out. I don't know. Don't um, go- yeah, I, I, I really want to get deeper into the Lupe album. I haven't really. I've listened to those songs, and they're pretty fucking... But again, like you said, I got to listen to a couple more times also. Yeah, and, and I would say everyone out there, if you're going to pick one track, listen to Prisoner 1 and 2. It may be the best song he ever did. It's one of my favorite hip-hop songs ever. Uh, the things that it covers, it, it's from the perspective of a prisoner and then a prison guard, and it's kind of about the institutionalism of the uh, the mass prisoner system that we have in the the United States as well as the institutionalism of racism in in the police force on the other half. And uh, yeah. and it's got a great beat and a great hook. So check that one out. Um and the last thing I wanted to talk about was Kendrick's new single which I think is amazing as well. But uh, it's not new. Well, new-ish. <laughs> it's like, you know, 2 months, right? Something like that. Oh, really? I think it's more than that, but okay. We'll give I, you a benefit of the doubt. I thought it was early December. Maybe it's like November. I don't know. It couldn't have been earlier than that. It's okay. Maybe. Yeah. But go ahead. Wait, anyway, I like anyway, it. I really, really I, fe- I feel like it's a it's a great uh, turn from him in that it's, uh, it's exceedingly positive. Kind of embraces like uh, a life after Good Kid Mad City, which is so much about his history, like where he could go to next yeah. from talking about the streets, talking about where he came from to where he's going. Uh, absolutely and it's yeah the, and it's still it's a great feels song. like he's grounded in the real world rather than being in a sort of a jay-z state of uh relaxation and comfort where he feels like he can rap about anything <laughs> well, no no offense to jay-z yeah. jay-z is a legend but still <laughs> yeah i'm um i i really yeah, Kendrick's great. No, I mean, Kendrick Lamar is the shit, basically. Yeah, he's definitely one of the best rappers of our generation. He can may- maybe, you know, in the next few albums, maybe he'll become one of the best of all time. Only time will tell. It's going to be crazy. I cannot wait to see what he does. It's going to be insane. Yeah. So on our next episode, we'll do, um, because we haven't done it yet, we'll do uh, best albums of 2014. We're going to do top five because of Chris Rock's top five. I'll talk about next week why we're doing that. But um, 
yeah. So Henry yeah. and Hip Hops. That's it right now, right? Yeah. Out. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Out. And now <laughs> we will conclude Henry and Hops as we always do with story time. Cue song. Story time, 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 a 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 story time, 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 a story time, a story time, story time, a 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 story time, story time, so both so senior year, uh, we were living at this house with a, a greenhouse and a pool and a backyard. We I think we've talked about this before, but if we haven't, we had a hot tub there, and uh, the hot tub was uh, both a source of constant joy and constant frustration. Um, it <laughs> broke more often than it worked. Uh, it usually smelled terrible. Um, I, I, Hunter, I think, is going to tell a story about. Uh, the time because I wasn't there when they first tried to use the hot tub and the epic failure that pursued. Um, well, I don't remember that at all. Okay, oh, well maybe I'll I'll co tell it with him. Um, but I was also going to tell about the story. Uh, there was a, the, for time periods the the hot tub wouldn't work and sometimes you you would slap it and it would turn on and or you just kind of <laughs> hit it in the right way and it would turn on. But there was this one night where we all wanted to go in the hot tub. We had a lot of people over. It was the middle of winter. It had just snowed, and the hot tub wasn't turning on. We had spent hours on it. We had hit it. We'd done all the tricks we usually do. So our friend Tess came up with this really odd but also um, very Bardian and very uh, um, alluring idea to hold a seance around the hot tub to see if we could bring it back to life. So after preparing candles and I think I think Carly even prepared like a brief speech that we were gonna say, uh, we went and stood around the hot tub in a circle holding hands, and I think there was a lot of silence. There was like a five minute prayer, and uh, at the end of the seance, Tess said. <laughs> and it's alive and hit the hot tub and it turned on i don't know if you remember that but it was that was crazy it was one of the most amazing it's only a successful seance i've ever held even though it was it was for a hot tub i think it's the only seance i've ever held so <laughs> well anyway so that so that's my story time sort of story but i i wanted to talk about when you guys first tried to use the hot tub which i believe you invited a bunch of people over thinking that the hot tub was just gonna be ready uh, I don't know if you remember no, this. No, M- I don't think we were that dumb. Well, I wasn't there, but F- MC was once. MC told me that she came over there, uh, and Tess <laughs> and them had like it was the first day they had moved into the house. So you'll have to tell a different hot tub story. So I'm gonna tell this one too. But it's the first day they had moved into the house, and uh, they were like, oh, "Okay, we have a hot tub. This is gonna be awesome. Uh, we'll just like we'll we'll go hang out. Uh, we'll we get a little tipsy, and then we'll go in the hot tub for a while." And so they they did so, and and then they took off the cover, and it, there was no water. 
There was nothing. Well, was... that makes yeah. Why would there be any water? In <laughs> I don't know. It? Tess, you know what Tess is about some of these things. Like she, because she had never had a hot tub, she hadn't ever considered the possibility that it might need chemicals <laughs> and those kind of other. Oh man, no, concerns. I don't know. That's mean a little mean. But I don't know yeah, if you were there. No, funny. no, I don't think that's. I don't think that's mean. I think she would admit to that that she did. I didn't know how to use a hot tub. None of us knew how much it was going to cost to maintain a, a hot tub and a pool and all that stuff. Oh, we just yeah. thought we're like oh, sweet. Cool. It'll be easy. <laughs> yeah, and interestingly, after we left, they got rid of the hot tub because it was too expensive to maintain. Nobody wanted it. Oh really? Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Send your hot tub. So R.I.P. Maybe because we also ruined it. Maybe we, it was just too dirty. They're like we can never <laughs> resurrect this hot tub. Yeah, there was a, there like was a few parties where we had like twenty or so people jammed in that, and it would smell like feet afterwards for a couple of days. Oh god, we really should have like changed that water a lot more. There's a lot of things I would have done differently. Yeah, if but I lived we in that house if we now, had like, money, you know, we were in college. Like, what were we what were we doing with a hot tub to begin with? Yeah, it was kind of over our and a pool. That was horrible. We spent so much money on those two things. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I feel like it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It was probably worth it. Do you have any hot tub yeah, stories? I, was, I mean, I, dude, I'm going to, like, let... Dude, I think the story time was great. That was, those are two good ones. <laughs> the all only right, one... I, right. You know what? Like, oh, wait. No, we're still going. Okay, good. Now, I got one quick one. It's not so much a story, just a funny... A great situation that I really enjoyed. Um, cool. So, so we... Um, you and I were trying to uh, kind of have the perfect experience to watch the show The League, right? Great yes, show. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, and we basically figured out that if we could get beers and also somehow set up the the the, the computer that we're going to watch it on, like, on the edge of the hot tub, so we could sit in the hot tub and drink our beers and also watch TV outside. And it was, it was a dream come true. So we got everything set up, and we, you know, got the show going, and it worked awesome. I think the main concern that we just, that maybe the Wi-Fi wouldn't reach all the way out there, but it was fine. Um, it was really enjoyable, but then it started to, like, rain. Yeah. And that was the only thing, but, like, we, it was not a funny story. because well, we prepared for so long. I think we prepared for longer than the show is for this event and then oh yeah we prepared just so began much raining like immediately <laughs> we didn't anticipate rain yeah that was the one thing we could not or did not anticipate preparing for and then we just yeah. went inside and drank our beers and watched uh the league inside it was not as good <laughs> yeah but i don't know i kind of like that uh that youthful idealism that you can you can have it all but you know what you can't have it all most of the time <laughs> yeah that's a lesson that's the a lesson i learned at our best laid plans yeah, but oh, you know what? I think what? that was a great story time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, this is after story time. I was going to say that, dude. I feel so, like, I mean, it's a controversial topic, but I feel so happy to be in San Francisco. Like, I love Philly. I really love Philly. But this place is, like, cheating, man. And I'm glad that I moved away and came back because it's just, like, it's it's crazy. You, you, don't, you, can't, you can't live here on a minimum wage necessarily. But if you're, if you're a server at a nice restaurant, you make a ton of money because you get... Minimum wage, which is ten dollars plus tip, it's incredible. Um, really good tips. So my point though is just that like, if you can afford to live here, it's so fucking nice because you have like all the parks north and all the parks south, and just like land everywhere and so much good shit. But it's hard because I think so many people take it for granted that come here with like, especially for tech jobs and stuff, and all they just do is complain about the weather. And I'm like, shut up, man. Be so. So and try to change here. things to make them more comfortable when what's so great about the city at times is that it's kind of all over the place like it shouldn't it shouldn't have to change to fit their 
wants yeah. and needs necessarily. And that's a whole. I mean, that's we've already kind of touched on that kind of to- those topics before in the past, but that would be a very interesting podcast. Maybe when you come out to San Francisco, we can touch upon kind of like the yeah, that would be great. I mean, I've I've never been there outside of the airport, so that's going to be a whole other thing. Um, oh damn! But. But yeah, I, I'm really glad you're happy out there, and I think it's a great place to live. I mean, it was Hunter S. Thompson's favorite place in the really? U.S. Uh, that, that in Aspen, Colorado, which he tried oh. to save, but fell apart. Um, but San Francisco I've was been I've was been to Aspen, happiest. Colorado. I think he would hate it now. No, he would. He, he ran for mayor to try to save it because of what it was becoming, and then moved away. But I was saying that for a while, uh, San Francisco was apparently the place where he was happiest. Um, and probably he so would hate SF now, too, but... But, yeah, but in terms of its location is what's clutch. That's really what yes. I'm talking about. Yes, the location yes. is what makes it a great city inherently. It has the best of everything in terms of the U.S., really. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not terribly warm, but it's never terribly cold. So yeah. you're kind of like in this constant state of content. You're not necessarily jubilant, but you're always pretty content. <laughs> all right, well, shout out to San Francisco. Um, at the end of the episode, it's not, all, it's we... not all peaches and roses, don't get me wrong. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a future episode. Um, let's uh, let's do uh, plugs. Do you have anything to plug at the end of the episode? Any like jobs coming up or anything you're doing you want to talk about? Oh yeah, but I mean it's hard to predict. Like if if that means like a week from now, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Well, like take a guess. Uh, but th- this episode will probably come out in a week after we. Well, my company's always January hiring. 30th. Yeah. Okay, my company's oh, always good. hiring. Yeah. So look on Craigslist. Well, not always. What's the company? But- off the grid. I know you talked about it, but I, did you off the grid? Okay, I don't remember. Yeah. If you mentioned well, maybe that. not always. I'm not sure if that's if they would be happy that I said that or not. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll find out if that comment was approved uh, before we release this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I would just really really quickly like to plug uh, my friend Sonia's web series. Uh, my friend Sonia is going to be touring the world. Uh, studying the environmental impact on the seven wonders of the world as well as glaciers and and how different countries are approaching uh, energy uh, efficiency in in this time of need so i think that should be interesting check that out sonia great cause yeah Um, where can they find that out uh well yeah i'm sure i'll put up a link on uh henry and hops as well as wolf suit to it um uh, but it is not a wolf suit production. Um, I don't know what the title of the the web series is going to be yet, but look for that. Um, outside of that, I would say our next episode topic is going to be Republican presidential candidates 2016 because it's never too early to start talking about presidential candidates. I, I mean, God, I, th- I thought it was too early, and then Mitt Romney dropped out today. It was hilarious. He started, <laughs> he got in, and then he got out like super early. Maybe he'll get back so in. Quick. Do you think Jeb will be out before uh, we get to 2016, or is he gonna is he in for the? No, I actually, you know what? I honestly think now that you mentioned that, I think that's why he dropped. Because of Jeb. Mm-hmm. Remember how they met right, a little well, while ago? Yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get to that next week. Anyway, if write in, um, contact us on Twitter at uh, Henry and Hops uh, with any questions about today's podcast or any comments, as well as any questions you might have for next week. Um, we'll try to answer as many as we can. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Welcome, uh, welcome back to Henry and Hops. We're happy to be here. Yep, politics and beer forever, forever. All right, outro song. Bye. Henry and Hops. 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 It's not safe. It's not safe, dog. Okay. Hey, watch the wolf suit.